It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Happy Monday. I am Kim Munson, and we're going to be having conversations about some very important things out there. Uh, We've got a big show planned for you again today. Uh, First and second segments, we'll be talking about headlines. And third and fourth segment, a conversation with Karen Cataline. Uh, she is a columnist, a talk show host. Uh, she has uh, she writes uh, regularly. Uh, she's been featured in Fox News, Investors Business Daily, Western Journal, Town Hall, just a whole bunch of them, The American Thinker. And she has written a very important piece, and it is leftism is destructive to mental health. Whenever we have these mass shootings, all of a sudden you hear about is mental health and gun control. And uh, and I think that we're all scratching our head. I mean, years ago, we didn't have these kinds of mass shootings. What is going on? And uh, and Karen actually knows what she's talking about because she studied at Columbia University. She is formerly a practicing mental health professional. So I can't wait to talk to her in segments three and four. Steve, I know that you're excited to talk to her as well. Oh, yeah. We have... Uh... <laughs> a very unique relationship. I, we could describe that later uh, in terms of... <laughs> you, you may want to clarify that, Steve. Chan- <laughs> well, let's put it this way. A chance meeting in the middle of Pacific on a cruise ship. Okay. So that's a cliffhanger for you out there. So we'll have to hear what, what happened with that. So. Let me back up something you said the second you, you started speaking. Happy Monday. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not typically a Monday morning person, are you, Steve? Not a morning person, never have been, and really doubly not a Monday morning person. But Well, here we are. Life goes on. Here we are. So, And I um, want to say thank you to you and the whole team, <clears throat> Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie. Uh, appreciate all that you guys do to keep this, uh, this train on the tracks. And to you listeners out there, thank you, uh, each of you. You're treasured, you're valued, you have a purpose, it's Monday, you need to go out there and do that. So it's, uh, I value all of you, thank you very much. And let's jump in here to our inspiration. I'm actually working my way through Blueprint Denver. This is this 300-page, it's really a socialist communist manifesto, if you will. I mean, they are going to map out and control every inch of Denver, and the mantra there is equity. And so what, does that, what is that actually going to mean for <clears throat> private property rights, for people actually having the freedom to go after their hopes and dreams? And uh, so with that, as I was thinking about inspiration, I always go to Maggie Thatcher. I always go to Ronald Reagan. But, you know, the third person in that whole group that helped bring down the Berlin Wall and stand for freedom was uh, Pope John Paul II. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to check out and see what he has to say for inspiration and quotes today. And this is what he said. I plead with you, never, ever give up on hope. Never doubt, never tire, and never become discouraged. Be not afraid. I think that's very comforting words for the day. Go back into uh, Lech Walesa uh, and the solidarity movement and all those things that happened in the 80s 
and think of those words. Uh, they did not give up. And I think that in talking to people today, as I read this uh, Blueprint Denver, when I see the amount of money that is being put into these things, uh, it, it seems a bit daunting. But we've been, we've been in difficult situations before. Think about the Patriots when they stood up against uh, the Brits, uh, Britain, um, which was the, the, you know, the most powerful country on the face of the earth at that time. But they stood for freedom. What about the Civil War? They stood for freedom. World War II, they stood for freedom. They stood against tyranny. Steve, it is now our turn. Uh, it's a little different right now, um, but the battle of ideas that Thatcher and Reagan and Pope John Paul II engaged in, they did that successfully. And so now is our time to do that. And there's a lot of different things that we need to stand against. One of those that you mentioned is, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about Mark, Mark, Mike Rosen's a piece in Complete Colorado regarding, it's pretty funny, the bicycle emperor has no spandex. And uh, as I am reading Blueprint Denver, they want to get people onto bicycles. So I thought a bicycle joke was very uh, appropriate for today. So are you ready? Uh, okay, it's not the banker joke. It's... It is. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Our bank manager can't ride a bike anymore. Do you know why? No. He lost his balance. Okay, moving on. <laughs> okay, first thing, I think, um, let's talk, a, no, you know what, the first thing that I want to talk about is uh, Jeffrey Epstein uh, was, uh, um, well, he died in a, uh, a, a Manhattan facility, a jail or, or whatever in uh, New York this weekend. Are you surprised about that, Steve? You know, I- he, I guess he made a suicide attempt, what, two weeks ago or so, and all right, so now he's on suicide watch. And yeah, I guess I was surprised, because how can you blow this? But they found a way to do it. And I'm just looking at Fox News this morning. About a couple hours before he was discovered, his body was discovered, his cellmate was mysteriously removed. Why? Yeah. How? William Barr, Attorney General William Barr, said they're going to... Um, you know, they're going to investigate this, and they certainly need to. You know, the conspiracy theorists have said, you know, typically there are people <clears throat> that have been very close to the Clintons that there's been a lot of suicides uh, or a lot of uh, premature deaths. And uh, I guess I have to say I'm not surprised. I was, uh, it's like when, when the news came out, I'm kind of like, well, we kind of knew that was going to happen. You know, uh, so I guess I'm getting cynical in my old age, Steve. If you are entertained by memes on Facebook, it is prime. Yesterday was prime time. (laughs) Uh, One one said uh, people with dirt on the Clintons have a 849 percent chance of suicide. (laughs) I I don't mean I don't mean to laugh, but I mean, if you don't laugh, you cry because uh, uh, there's bad stuff that's going on. This guy was a. This guy was a bad guy, he, or he did a lot of bad stuff. Even our friend Dinesh D'Souza, he had a classic, and I wish I was better prepared here. I would love to read it on the air. It's, I mean, it's very, it just makes you giggle. It's because it's so absurd. And, it, I mean, there's certainly no, nothing funny about a human being's premature death, but it just makes you stop and scratch your head. And then there are the picture memes, pictures, altered pictures of Hillary Clinton. One is a nurse saying that she was the last visitor to his Oh, son. my gosh. Uh, the other one was just you know a kind of pillory with a mustache, but th- this was the last visitor to 
Epstein cell, uh, you know, prison cell. And I said, well, gee, I certainly can't, can't be Hillary. I know her mustache is fuller than that. Oh, Steve, shame on you. It is, oh, but a boom. That's it, quite. It's, it's a Monday. Go for it. It is a Monday. Uh, the next thing that I wanted to mention, you know, and I really appreciate you listeners. You're sending me things, and uh, a listener sent this. You know, Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, was put in place. It was put into the Colorado Constitution by the people of Colorado, and it basically says three things. It says to PBIs, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties, hey, if you want to raise our taxes, you need to ask us. If you want to incur debt that we have to pay off, you need to ask us. And if you want to keep our tax refunds above a formula, a generous formula of population inflation, you just have to ask us. Well, they're kind of sort of asking us. And uh, in Jefferson County, uh, all three commissioners it voted unanimously to put on the ballot a quote-unquote a detabering, they call it debrucing because um, a Doug Bruce was, was one of the main architects of Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. But they want to detabor these tax refunds in Jefferson County. All three commissioners voted to put it on the ballot. Now, I, first of all, I, I really would wish that you would have county commissioners that would try to live within their budgets and try to live within the context of what the people said to them, uh, because uh, I don't think that any of these entities out there don't have enough money. I think that it's actually how do they spend it. But all three commissioners voted to put this on the ballot. Okay, okay, so it's on the ballot. The people of Jefferson County are going to vote on it. But guess what, Steve? They hired a public relations firm, which is basically uh, it's a Republican uh, a firm. It, it's a number of Republicans. I know know them. I've actually had um, one of them on the show on a different issue. They now have this public relations firm. They have been hired. They're going to be paid $50,000 to go out and encourage the people of Jefferson County to give up their tax refunds forever. And I don't know. There seems something that isn't right about that, that you have a, a government that is hiring a public relations firm to go out to push forward a tax increase. What do you think about that, Steve? What's the whole premise besides you know, behind this detaborization or getting rid of Tabor is that the transparency that Tabor brings to the table is too much for them. They can't take that kind of transparency. They don't want people really to know what's going on. And who was it? Reagan has said we don't have a revenue money in, you know, income problem we have a spending problem but in terms of the way these guys are behaving look at the uh what we, you know the example they're following in the federal government and then the state government so why not local government and in terms of handling it over to a uh, an agency to help promote this i take that 50 grand in a heartbeat i'd split it with you what what makes them think that spending that kind of money to get people to permit them to spend more money it's good money good money after bad and i'm it just makes me sick yeah there's and uh you know we need to look to our um our poli- you know i think there's a difference between an elected official and a politician and um people that are out there pushing forward this kind of stuff i don't think that they're elected leaders they are they are put in place 
to protect us, to protect our rights, to protect our, our, um, our pocketbooks, and instead to be going out and hiring a public relations firm to the tune of $50,000 to, uh, to push for this tax increase on the people of Jefferson County, you better vote no. On all of these across the spectrum, there's going to be a whole bunch of them on this ballot. We've got Proposition CC that is a, a statewide detabering. I mean, where does it end, Steve? Where does it end? I mean, is it, does it end when they take every last dime that we have? Where does it end? It's the, you know, I keep referring to it as the attack on individual prosperity, yours, mine, anybody's. How much, you know, look at your tax, or your, I'm sorry, your pay, pay stub, and see how much money is really going out in taxes, and not just the federal, not just the state tax, but look at those local taxes. Look at all the, you know, the total breakdown. And come to a decision. How much money of your income are you willing to turn over to government at any level? So at this particular point in time, whether or not you're Democrat, Republican, unaffiliated, I would, I would recommend that you vote no on all of these detabering, on all of these issues across the spectrum. <laughs> because, as you mentioned, we want to have transparency. We want to make sure that these politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties have to ask us, and they have to make the case for where they're spending the money. So the answer should be no on all of those things. I want to go to break. When we come back, we've got to talk about Mike Rosen's piece in Complete Colorado, that the, uh, the uh, bicycle emperor has no spandex. So we'll be right back. Looking for an awesome place to host your draft party? Look no further than Hooters. With tons of TVs, free Wi-Fi, world-famous wings, and ice-cold beer, you're probably thinking, it doesn't get any better than that. But wait, at Hooters, it does. Every Fantasy League gets a free draft kit and over $200 in Hooters swag. Join us for fantasy football done Hooter style. Book now at Hooters.com slash football. That's Hooters.com slash football. See you at Hooters. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland for sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. In Denver and Castle Rock, Kim would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Denver and YourTownTaxpayers.com for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the Ameritix with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. I want to talk about Mike Rosen's piece in Complete Colorado, The Bicycle Emperor Has No Spandex. But Steve, during the break, you mentioned something. I had mentioned that uh, this firm that has the $50,000 contract out in Jefferson County to encourage the people of Jefferson County to give up their tax refunds forever uh, is uh, primarily made up of Republicans. And to your point... I, their affiliation, I guess, really doesn't – essentially, you know, bottom line there with them as a – they're a business entity looking to run their business. 
and they found <laughs> good old Jeffco willing to hand them fifty grand. I guess you know you'd take it too. Okay, okay. We'll let that we'll let that stay out there and simmer a little bit. Simmer. Okay. Let's talk about Mike Rosen. He said that this is in complete Colorado. He said, according to surveys by the Downtown Denver Partnership, the share of people who say they bike to work has doubled to about eight percent in the last five years. And he says, I suspect that's misleading. Work may be very close, uh, close by, away from traffic, or it may be occasional. But every day, even in winter. But at least 92% don't bike to work, and few of them ever will. Predictably, with that increase, the number of cyclist injuries and deaths has increased dramatically. Denver plans to spend $120 million to reach its goal of building 450 miles of bike lanes in the streets by 2037. To assume this will significantly reduce traffic congestion and vehicle emissions is a false premise. Bike lanes contrived in weird patterns through downtown Denver don't reduce congestion. By squeezing or eliminating traffic lanes, they make it worse and more hazardous. As public policy, this is founded less in reason than in ideology, wishful thinking, and impractical uh, impractical EC, that's environmental correctness, which is a cousin of PC political correctness. Uh, Steve, as I mentioned, I am working my way through Blueprint Denver, which this is this was passed by the city council um, back in April. It's 300 and some pages. It is really a socialist manifesto on government controlling people's lives. They are going to map out basically every neighborhood and they're going to want every neighborhood to have parks and to have equity. Equity is the key word there. And equity, ultimately what that means is you're seeing equity in Venezuela. Venezuela was a very prosperous country uh, back in the 70s. And there were inequities because there are some people that work longer, work harder than other people. People have a choice on how they live their lives. There is now equity in Venezuela. They have the haves. And then the equity is with the have-nots. And they don't have stuff. They uh, don't have toilet paper. They don't have food. And uh, Denver, I think, is on its way to um, becoming a uh, – it's, it's going the way of Los Angeles and San Francisco. But actually, I think Blueprint Denver is going to leapfrog uh, many of the other cities on the race to the bottom with this, quote-unquote, equity, wanting everybody to ride on bicycles. And, I mean, my gosh, Steve, when I was driving over here, I mean, I couldn't get here, you know. Early in the morning on a bicycle, I'd have to leave probably at about 3.30 in the morning. And there's the safety factor. I mean, I feel safe in my personal vehicle. And I really, I really appreciate the freedom that I can make my own mobility choices versus the government doing that for me. Steve, your comment. Well, the, you know, if you're going to bounce back to Mike Rosen's article, this is classic Rosen. And you can always tell by the... Uh, uh, the title <laughs> only he could come up with something like that and and what was it ec versus pc mm-hmm. yeah, okay environmental correctness at its core i mean we you all heard the phrase the tail wags the dog which okay what does that really mean well what is the percentage of the dog's tail compared to the rest of the dog it's very small mm-hmm. and i get really an ill feeling when i see governments moving on small percentages like that Everyone, I mean, take a, if you've ever driven South Broadway, like, say, from uh, Civic Center going south, and you see that new 
bike lane. It's not new anymore. It's several years old. But where did that bike lane came from? come from? Mm-hmm. They took a, a lane of traffic away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all these streets where these proposed uh, bike paths are going to go, those streets aren't going to be wide. And the sidewalks are what they are. The housing, the properties are what they are. We're going to pull more footage, square footage, away from traffic. Well, you know, the other thing about it, Steve, is it's, uh, I mean, they say one thing, but the policy is a totally different thing. They say they want to reduce congestion. So you decide that you take out a lane of traffic on Broadway, which is one of the main thoroughfares out of Denver, or out of downtown Denver. You take a, uh, so you take away uh, a lane and make that a bike lane on one of the main thoroughfares, and it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that that's going to increase congestion. If you're really serious about wanting to have safe bike lanes, why don't you put those bike lanes on one street over that is not one of the main thoroughfares so that it is not on that same, you know, creating congestion on that particular road? But the purpose here, and, and, you, you, and you can actually see it as, again, I'm reading Blueprint Denver, is they want to get people out of their single occupancy vehicles is that really government's role is it really government's role to say that uh, to take away people's choices on how they move around i i don't think so once again they put us in us you and i and and the show in a position of actually sounding like we're against something like zevs or levs or something you know those types of things and we we've tried hard to make it clear we're not against those types of things we just like the technology involved to be more mature, to be more ready, something that doesn't impact us financially, which, you know, raising the cost of things, owning a car, buying a car, that kind of stuff. And now we're going to come out and say, like, well, these guys don't want bicycle. They, or they don't want to get people out of cars. And, and maybe that's, what we're, in, in essence, what we're saying is, yeah, we don't, because the impact to the rest of the culture, the, to the culture who's living in these streets and in, living in these cities there's such a, a gross impact there again for your ec value that uh, mike has brought brought into play here you're you know, what did we say do you, you you feel good but did you do good well they may feel good but they've not done good for everybody else that they don't have the time to to you know bike to work you can't get your dog dog food for your dog and put it on the back of your bike you can't take the kids to soccer practice on a bicycle. And um, so, I, I, you know, I, I guess I have to say I'm sorry if I'm coming across that um, I, you know, don't like bicycles. I actually like to ride bicycles. But what I am really frustrated about is this public policy, this force that is uh, making all these decisions, which this goes to the next article that Patty has on here. This is from the Denverite.com. There was a self-storage company, and they're suing Denver. Because uh, Denver banned the big boxes that store little boxes near RTD stations. It says Green Box Self Storage claims Denver owes the company money and a do over for blocking its bid to build a branch in South Denver's Goldsmith neighborhood. Last year, based on recommendations from its planning department, the Denver City Council outlawed new mini storage facilities within a quarter mile of rail stations in an attempt to encourage a lively, walkable area. Prior to the change, Greenbox aimed to open a branch at 4700 East Evans Avenue near the Colorado uh, RTD station. 
The company claims the city judged its building proposal based on new regulations, even though it applied under the old ones. The move violated state law, the company alleges. City planners worked with the company on its application and misled Greenbox into believing that its proposed use was lawful, according to the claim filed in Denver District Court June 9th. Staffers actually thwarted Greenbox from learning about the new ordinance it states. Denver Community Planning and Development would not address specific claims, but the department gave Denverite the reasoning behind the zoning change. The intent behind the change was to align zoning and station areas with the city's goals for transit-orientated development and what our station area plans call for, which is the kind of mix of uses that result in pedestrian-friendly communities designed to maximize residents' access to transit and optimize alternative modes of transportation like walking and biking, a spokesman said in a statement. Greenbox wants the court to reverse a decision by Denver's Board of Adjustment for Zoning that applied the new parameters instead of the old ones to the company's request. Greenbox is also suing uh, for money it would have made had it been allowed to uh, build a branch. And uh, Steve, again, as I'm working my way through Blueprint Denver, uh, one, of the, one of the things they are talking about is the implementation, how they're going to make all of these things happen. And a lot of it's going to be with rezoning and zoning amendments. And this is this is changing the rules in the middle of the game on uh, property. And property rights are inherent to everyday people being able to thrive and prosper and flourish. And so there is big danger coming down the pike here in Denver with out-of-control bureaucrats, uh, interested parties, politicians, uh, and... Um, you know, I think that we're we're going to start to see, as people start to understand what's going on, we're going to start to see some big changes, I think, at the ballot box. Steve, and then we'll go to Jason. It's their motivation that I guess escapes me. I don't see what the motivation is. Um, there are so many other serious problems that need to be tackled. And also the financial resources, $120 million for more bikes. Uh, I, I think the average citizen could sit down at a table and list, you know, uh, some, a forum of five citizens and say, let's come up with ways to spend $120 million. I'm not sure bikes would be part of that. Well, and and is government being responsive and responsible to uh, protecting every, everyday people's rights to, you know, take care of their families, to go to their jobs, to create their businesses? So with that, though, um, I guess I'm feeling... I, 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 that seems a little overwhelming. And, uh, you know, another thing, Jason, I know it's a Monday. I know we should be a little upbeat, but I, I have a question for you. If, a, sure. if, a, if an investment goes down, uh, I think that that's really kind of tough on people. People have a bad feeling about that. And some people say it's not really a loss until you sell it. What do you think? Well, I, I think first you have to realize that sometimes things are going to go down unless you're perfect and i haven't met anybody that is but uh well wait you know me well i just didn't want to mention i didn't need to mention the obvious okay already everybody knew that right um yeah i know the old feeling people say well it's not really a loss until i sell it i don't think that holds water kim i think it's a loss as soon as it goes down, it's a, it's a loss. Now, there might be some reasons to hold on in some cases, but whether you've actually sold it or not, you do have a loss. Well, and it's, uh, it's mentally tough to admit defeat and to sell. And so what if you sell? I think people think, what if I sell and it goes back up? You know what? That's going to happen sometimes. And, you know, the funny thing is there isn't any law that I'm aware of against buying something back 
I mean, a little bit higher than where you sold it. I mean, you might sell something at a small loss, uh, but what were the reasons? Maybe there are just a couple bad days in the market. You were trying to protect yourself. Maybe you missed time to buy the first time and then just bought it a little high. I, I would say if all the reasons you, you bought something in the first place are still there and you got shook out of it temporarily, don't don't get a a big block in your head and be afraid or stubborn to buy back something that's really good just because the price is a little bit higher. Okay, okay. But what's a good rule of thumb to cut a loss and move on? Well, I think it's kind of different, Kim. If it's a, a, a growth stock, you bought it because you're just hoping the price will go up. Uh, if it's kind of volatile, it doesn't pay dividends. I think it's smart to try to keep your losses small, maybe 7 to 8% maximum, uh, maybe even less uh, in certain market conditions. Uh, that way you never get into a situation where you have a great big loss. Now, if it's something that you're convinced is out of favor, it's a stock that's just been beaten up, uh, it's really cheap, and you think long-term it's going to come back, maybe you could buy it in little pieces, give yourself a little bit more leeway. Uh, same thing if it's something that pays a real good dividend and you feel like the dividend's safe, eventually the price will come back. Maybe you can give it a little bit more room and just kind of pick away and buy a little at a time. But I think if the reasons that you bought it in the first place have disappeared or gone away, then maybe it's a good idea to cut it loose. So I think you're saying that holding a big loser until it becomes a winner again might, might not be a surefire system. It, it might not be. Uh, time does not heal all wounds in the stock market sometimes. And if, if an investment you bought has dropped way down and the reasons you bought it have gone away long ago, now you're just hoping. And the problem is, while you're, you're waiting, that money might be missing out on a winner. And I'll tell you, Kim, most of the time, we all know what happens. Eventually, you're going to get worn out. Uh, you're going to decide you hate this thing. You're going to give up. You'll sell after you've held it forever. You, then you're going to take a great big loss. And then, right after you sell it, the stupid thing will jump right back up in your face. And that, that's kind of mentally crippling when that happens. Well, you know, that's true, because I know from experience, years ago, Jason, um, in my younger days, I worked as an assistant on a stock trading desk. Yeah, that's and- where you got that foul mouth. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Uh, no, that's not true. Excuse me. Um, but I did. I did learn a lot of um, of different words when I was working on it on the on the stock trading desk. But those swings can really be unnerving. Well, I know, Kevin. You work it in the business. You've probably heard this old saying: uh, the definition of a long term hold is a short term trade that didn't work. Did you guys used to say that? Uh, yeah. Yep. I've heard so, that. Uh, you know, I think, you know, as an advisor, I'm not afraid to admit when an idea may not be working the way we were hoping. And I think you got to tell your client, hey, it's t- I think it's time to just cut bait and move on on this one. I'll tell you, I found over the years, Kim, most people, you know, they don't get all upset. If you call them, you say, hey, I think this isn't working. We're down a little bit. 
let's just move on. Uh, I'm not going to say everyone, but most people realize you're not going to be right 100% of the time. Uh, I think it's better to kind of eliminate a small problem before it might turn into a big one when you get the chance. Well, and that's why I think it's such a great idea to set up a discovery session with you and your colleagues over at Presidential. There's no pressure. Uh, I haven't heard of you guys closing the door, locking the door, if people come in on a discovery session, have you? No, we don't do that. <laughs> but it's confidential, and it never hurts to have another set of eyes take a look at the things that you know are, are you know important to you. So like Donald Trump says, what do you have to lose? The phone number is 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600. And our landing page, it has all your podcasts and everything there, is chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. Jason, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great show, Kim. Okay, thanks so much. When we come back, we'll be talking with Karen Cataline. And uh, she is uh, has her own uh, podcast, and she's an author. She writes for a whole bunch of different uh, publications out there. But interestingly, she's also a former practicing mental health professional. Uh, she studied at Columbia University, and she has written a piece that I think really is so important in America today, and it is Leftism is Destructive to Mental Health. We'll be right back with Karen Cataline. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? Let's have a conversation. I am thrilled to have a conversation with Karen Cataline. Karen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Kim. Always great to talk to you. It's always good to talk to you as well. Uh, I tell you, your uh, let's get your website out there because you have so many important pieces. What is your website so people can check that out? Well, thank you, Kim. It's uh, KarenCataline.com. If you know how to spell my name, you'll find me and learn more about me than you ever want to know. So Karen is spelled the normal way, K-A-R-E-N. Cataline is spelled K-A-T-A-L-I-N-E.com. Okay. And by the way, I never heard that you had a foul mouth as long as I've known you. I don't think you have a foul mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I try not to, but uh, yes, Jason, um, uh, I worked on a stock trading desk years and years ago, Karen. <laughs> And and there was language from time to time that would make a drunken sailor uh, a blush, and that just was kind of one of the things that happened there. But uh, yes, hey, I've Tim, tried... I live with a 
Sorry. <laughs> what? Sorry. Well, I just tried uh, to be careful about it, but um, anyway, we'll okay. just. I live with a truck driver, so it's okay. <laughs> okay, good. But we won't we won't go down that road right now because oh, okay, this is so important. You have written this piece. Leftism is destructive to mental health. And uh, I didn't know this about you, that you were a former uh, practicing mental health professional and that you studied at Columbia University. So you know what you're talking about. Well, I'd like to think so. But then, you know, that's why they say practiced, a clinician who practices. That doesn't mean that they got it perfect. And that's actually one of the points in my piece is that, uh, you know, I have an MSW, uh, which means Master's in Social Work. Uh, you're, you know, I'm one of the few conservative social workers you're ever liable to meet. And it's an art, not a science. So when you have someone in front of you who uh, is clearly hurting, in trouble, needs help, whatever, it is not a fait accompli that you can either, and I just wrote another piece about predicting when someone is going to, God forbid, do a mass shooting. You can't do that. I mean, you might have some, some issues are more obvious than others, some, some uh, uh, to coin a phrase, red flags are more obvious than others. But in terms of what happened in Dayton and El Paso, um, people were diagnosing right and left without any kind of basis for that. Even if they said that he was a registered Democrat, and both of them apparently were, and that is significant, but it doesn't mean that you know exactly what was going on there. Uh, any good mental health professional is going to interview, personally interview the person, get a family history, a social history, and all the rest. And I use that as kind of a jumping off point to say that the collectivist diagnosis and the collectivist gross generalizations is really a cultural phenomenon in which the socialists, and we have avowed socialists today, are trying to encourage us to, to make those kind of collectivist uh, generalizations. And so hopefully without making a collectivist, well, actually I am, I, I attack the ideology of leftism because leftism has a lot of things in common, the ideology, not the person or persons who subscribe to it. And so I have a whole lot of bullet points about the tenets of socialism, which if you look at it, are, are, the very, are some of the very root causes of, or diagnoses of mental health and mental illness. The first one I'll just give you, <laughs> excuse me, because I don't want to um, go on and on. I want to hear what you think. The first tenet is a very obvious one. This, this cultural notion that we, there are all these victim groups, which mm-hmm. the left tries to lump everyone into victimhood, is really in now. Who can be the greater victim? It's like a victim, uh, a victim contest. And <clears throat> in order to make victim voting blocks, everybody's either a victim or a perpetrator. Well, victimhood is the very root of what? Paranoia, the persecution complex, everybody thinking, someone thinking everyone's after them. The dirty little secret about paranoia uh, is it's rage turned inward. I bet a lot of people don't know that. When someone thinks that someone's after them all the time and there is a clinical diagnosis of paranoia, um, what, what a, lot of, a lot of what's going on there is 
the anger and rage at others that's so difficult for a person to to tolerate in themselves that they turn it backwards and they project their rage onto others as if they're the ones being persecuted. And I don't know, doesn't that sound just a little bit familiar, culturally speaking? Well, it it, it absolutely does. And, uh, you know, as we were talking about this, and you mentioned ideology, the socialist ideology, and... um, this whole thing on victimhood and then putting people into groups. And it is important that when you see this ideology played out, that everyday people don't do well. Uh, Because uh, if if you look Mm -hmm. at Germany, Nazi uh, stands for National Socialist German Workers' Party. And as we go through this, you, you mentioned victimhood, this important piece that you have. The next is poor impulse control coupled with continuous rage. And, and the next one is depersonalization. And, and I guess we need to go through all those. But I'm thinking about, you know, when you look at people at groups, then you depersonalize the individual. And then mm-hmm. it makes it easier i mean you look at a, pe- a person in a group then it, then it's it's okay it's an individual or not an individual it's a group and i stand against this group and then i attack this group and you're seeing that play out mm-hmm. on the left on a consistent basis karen absolutely and and so really you know one talk show host we know says liberalism is a mental disorder but i think the ideology is a poisonous ideology that robs people of their free will, if they'll allow it, robs people of, of uh, individualism and their adult God-given rights. And if there are psychologically vulnerable people, which there always are, they're the first to fall prey to this ideology that says that their individual choice in the matter means nothing. I mean, when when you are angry at a group of people, and God forbid you start shooting them because they belong to a group of people, or if you're shooting if, if anyone, but if you're shooting people because of of uh, well, as I say, the the group they belong to, then that is also a gross generalization. The way that a good mental health professional, and of course, ninety five percent of mental health professionals mostly are liberals, particularly, uh, yeah, psychiatrists, psychologists, a good, good many of them are. What you try to do, for example, in the Me Too movement, which is fraught with uh, things that would exacerbate an already mentally unstable person, if you were hurt or assaulted by a man and you began to hate all men because of it, then a good mental health professional is going to encourage you to, in therapy, get angry at the person who hurt you and not grossly generalize to all men for the simple reason that if you go through life hating all men, it's really going to affect your future happiness. And so that's what good clinical work used to be all about was about helping a person become uh, accountable for their own behavior and take responsibility for it. There's another one. I don't even know if if I made it as clear on that piece as I'd like to have, which is this whole notion of being a 
uh, uh, being triggered and being a snowflake. Well, yeah, triggered comes right out of psychology. Uh, but the difference is that a person who's doing heavy-duty therapeutic work who recognizes their triggers, the whole point is to take responsibility for those triggers and to lessen them in the public square and to know the difference. I'm writing a book now about boundaries, and to me, it's all about boundaries, knowing where you end and another person begins. So if you're triggered, the worst thing you could ever do is to expect the entire culture to cleave to your triggers. Well, you know what? Let's go to break. This is such important information uh, because uh, leftism, I, I do believe, is destructive to mental health. But I think that we can achieve good mental health. But we have to have these honest conversations that we're having right now about this, Karen. Let's go to break, and we'll come back and continue on regarding uh, this important piece that you've written. This is Kim Munson. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers with GUR, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person, and children under 12 are free. Friday, August 9th through Thursday, August 15th, features will include The Lion King, Toy Story 4, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special? Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Wanted to make a couple of comments. First of all, uh, the spot for Karen Levine, she truly is with she's with she truly is with Remax Alliance, but she truly is a champion for private property rights. And she actually helped one of my neighbors get a new little golden retriever. And so she works a lot with the golden retriever rescue of the Rockies, which is also known as Gur, which just cracks me up. The other thing is, is Friday night, Steve, you and Patty and I are going to be working the snack bar at 88 Drive-In Theater with Susan Kochevar. I can't wait. I'm practicing. Do you want butter on that popcorn? How's that sound? I t- well, it sounds great. I just hope Susan knows what she's doing. Well, because <laughs> we don't. So, hey, Karen, if you're not doing anything on Friday night, come out to the 88 Drive-In Theater. We're going to be serving at the snack bar. That sounds fun. It's I good. love it. I love driving theaters. It's going to be a lot of fun. And one other thing, uh, just wanted to let you know that Katie texted me. She said, Karen is spot on. Love your show. Thank God for a conservative social worker out there. So I thought that the, <laughs> that would make your day. Yeah. All two of us, right? <laughs> yeah, true. Okay. 
If this, you add Jewish, female, you know, it gets really unique. Yeah, yeah Karen, you are a special <laughs> individual. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> okay, let's continue on. You said the tenets of socialism. Let's get through all of these. They encourage victimhood, oh, all right. poor impulse control coupled with continuous rage, depersonalization. We talked about that. And I think you hit on this subjugation and eventual eradication of individualism and free will leading to a sense of fatalism, helplessness, hopelessness, and clinical depression. And yeah. uh, so take it from there. Well, um, I mean, let me just say one word about that one, because when I, I have a bias. I have lots of biases because I'm a commentator, so I have biases. And my bias, and I think you share it, is that freedom is a moral imperative. I do share when that. When you rob people, yes, when you rob people of their freedom – and they become helpless and hopeless, and they think that life is just, you know, they have no control of their own life, that's a reasonable thing to be depressed about. Now, there is a difference between depression and sadness, but that's a reasonable thing to be thrown into a depression, especially if you already are, have a pre, uh, you know, predisposition towards depression. Uh, so, so that's something that is core, a core tenant of socialism is robbing people of their free will. They don't like free will. As I like to say, uh, the left likes things so long as they're mandatory or prohibited. So uh, the next one is emotional fragility and regression into childlike state, which we talked about with the snowflake. Um, that's what the go- they want is, is to regress adults so they're dependent on the government uh boundaries is a huge one i i mentioned eradication of boundaries structure and accountability you know just to wax religious for a tiny second um we we welcome being accountable to something greater than ourselves because that that's one of the great wars is accountability to to the state or accountable uh, accountability to god and that's why God and people who believe in God are a threat to socialists. Okay, just uh, I could say another hour on that, but I yeah. won't. Well, yeah. just and just a quick com- comment. I think that there sure. is something inherent in human nature to quote unquote maybe be accountable to something. And so, what you're seeing with this leftism that is is uh, radical leftism that's taken over the Democrat Party is now there is an accountability to the climate. What's your thoughts on that? <laughs> I just came up with that no, one, Karen. I see, <laughs> I see. That's great. I love it. You and I have to have coffee. Yeah, you know? we do. Um, climate change to me is just an enormous, uh, to use the leftist phrase, social construct to affect and bring about more socialism. I don't believe that the people who came up with it even believe it. Well, if the, it's preposterous. Well, and it's if preposterous. they did, if they did, just think of all the people that were proposing that, how about they don't drive their cars, they walk and they bike. That's going to reduce congestion for the rest of us who want to go out and, you know, take our, our kids to soccer practice and create our businesses and all. Uh, and so if they yeah. really believed it, then they would be doing what they are trying to force everybody else to do. So they don't believe it. They know that it's not but true. socialists never do. And that's another thing. Socialists never, ever do 
what they tell others to do and what they expect others to do. Look at Bernie Sanders, the millionaire socialist. Look at most of Hollywood, the Hollywood elite, swimming in money and recognition and fame and everything else. And in order to assuage their guilt for all that, they have to feign this notion that that they're more compassionate than everyone else. I mean, that's one of the deadliest things about socialism is it's wrapped in this faux compassion, which which really tricks a lot of people. You know, if if you get an email from Nigerian businessman, you're smart enough to know that he doesn't want to hand you $10 million and he doesn't know who you are. But when a politician wants to hand you, you know, a living wage and he wants to give you free this and free that, and because they care about you, people want to believe that stuff. So that's our challenge, is to help people understand that this is a hoax. It well, really is. And Elizabeth Warren, you know, she talks about free college, but yet uh, she made um, apparently $400,000 as a tenured pres- uh, professor at Harvard. If, in fact, she's serious about free college, if that's that important, then that somebody has mm. to has to give up something to make something free. And so if and she, she wants free college, to get in. And, yeah, and so and she so wanted to get into college. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Sorry. It's just so much that is so amazing to, to watch. You know, well, and she didn't um, she didn't work yeah. for free. So, Karen, let's get through. We're yeah. going to have to have you back okay. because we're just right. getting short on time. But you mentioned eradication of boundary structure and accountability. I, I really think that that started in the 60s with this leftism in America. Yeah. And we're seeing that now play out with no boundaries, no structure, no accountability. And I think that that is mm-hmm. one of the, the, the things about the mental health of our society that is being played out with these mass shootings. So uh, let's get through these other three quickly. Class envy. Talk a, just a little bit about that. Class envy and a sense of entitlement. Uh, and, and that's purely for government dependence, which we sort of talked about. I'm going to have to add that one about snowflakes, but I alluded to it. Mm-hmm. Next one an inability to tolerate conflict and even a difference of opinion. I mean, if I had a client in front of me who, if I disagreed with them, they lost their mind, their hair went on fire, and they ran down to the Supreme Court and started pounding on the wall, you know, I might I might want to diagnose that person as being slightly unhinged, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the ability to tolerate differences of opinion goes directly to independence of thought and free will. And I think we're in the middle stages of imposing that. Again, I could go on with that one for a long time. The last one, black and white thinking, as to race and a lot more, lumping people into all good and all bad groups. Now, when I was in social work school, we called this borderline personality disorder. It's interesting that the social work... uh, principles have changed politically than when I was in in school. So I haven't read the, it's called the Diagnostical Statistical Manual. They're now on number six. So you know that mental health is an art, not a science. And social workers have traditionally been ultra, ultra left. Cloward and Piven were at my school when I was there. Yeah, yeah. I never took a class with them, but my best friend went there to take a, a, a class with Cloward. So I'd never heard the name, but I, as soon as I heard Cloward and Pivot, I went, Cloward? 
Howard was at Columbia University School of Social Work, right? Wow. And the black and white thinking, yeah, really, it's pretty interesting. Um, and, and the black and white thinking where you lump everybody that everybody is either all good or all bad. All white people are bad and they're privileged. All black people are re- oppressed. Really? You mean like Oprah Winfrey? Yeah. <laughs> and, and others? Yeah. I mean, this is nonsense. But see, it's all for a political agenda and that political agenda and there's only in my opinion uh, you know a much smaller group of leftist strategists who are throwing this out into the culture because okay. i've never believed yeah well okay, karen we are out of shut up now, we are you? out of we're out of time but we're going to have you back this is really good stuff so again karencataline.com that's karencataline.com And so today, Pope John Paul II is our quote. He says, let us remember the past with gratitude, live the present with enthusiasm, and look forward to the future with confidence. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.